What's going on, everybody? This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and this is the Chondrocast, the podcast about green tree pythons and the people that keep them. Enjoy the show. Episode 14 of the Chondrocast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and I am joined tonight by my guest co-host, Luke Myers, who's returned yeah. to join me to talk to Justin Wilbanks of Appalachian Arboreals. What's up, y'all? Yo, what up? What's going on? How we doing? I'm ready to hear about some yellow chondros. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting to. I'm trying to write stuff down as I'm doing this. It's not working. Um, so, what's happening, Luke? What you been up to? How's it out west? It's good. Just got back from. A, I'm doing an internship with endangered giant garter snakes. So, it's on a rice paddy for eight hours today, looking for snakes. Got skunked today. Didn't get any. That but, sucks. Uh, it's been fun. How are the chondros doing? So good. They're ready. That female gave her the year off, and like, she's ready this winter. I'm excited. Like, giving her the year off, I think, was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And like, she just looks so much even bigger than last time. Yeah, you so, were saying she was looking primed and ready to go. She looking plump, but uh, I don't know if that young male is going to be able to do the job. But uh, we'll see. Excited. Are you going to do a, a repeat pairing, Luke? I was kind of thinking about it, but I have so the crazy train, the one of the first old cl- train clutches with John and them uh, that Ben and John did. Uh, he'll be like two and a half. He'll almost be three actually, coming like in the middle of winter. So I kind of want to give him a try, but I don't know. Part of me just wants to play it safe and get more babies. It's a hard decision. You can always try it if it don't work. Throw the other guy in. So. Yeah. yeah, that's what I kind of thought, too, because I figured, like, if any of the red babies will for sure be from the Soul Train, and then yellow would kind of be a guess, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I'm going to just go with the flow, see what happens. Well, no, you got that second string guy lined up, so. <laughs> yeah, he's here. He's I ready. Mean, <laughs> what they produced the first go-around was pretty sweet. Yeah, and like if I, I was, say I was so talking myself. to one of the people at the internship, and I was like, I want to hatch more of this because I lost like, I had at fifteen, I lost seven because I built my own incubator and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it would be sweet to try to get like a a better hatch rate from the same pairing. Yeah, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, those what about you guys? The, the full dorsal look really good. Yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, one's looking real crazy right now, so. Yeah, I was sending Wilbanks pictures of the two that I have from you right now and the the pairing and stuff. And yeah, uh, I forgot because you got the ones with the kind of the more busy pattern. You, when you post that other picture on the LD50 one the other day, I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I forgot how different those are than the, the solo ones I have here. Yeah, that's it's 1803. Like, cool. And then mm-hmm. I have 1802. And they're completely different. You know, you have the, like, as far as personality goes and, and the way they look, uh, 1802 is really shy. Wants nothing to do with me. Just tucks its head. 
1802 or uh, 1803 is constantly trying to take my hand off. So that's good, right? <clears throat> Keeps you on your toes. That's right. But Justin, what's uh, what's happening on your end, man? Uh, you know, just uh, working and uh, recently hatched out those Cyclops, Bioc, Neos, and been working on getting those eaten. You had some success with that, though, or last night, right? <laughs> yeah, I had nine eat last night, then that one that was shedding yesterday actually ate tonight, first try, so that was pretty nice. Nice. Damn. How many hatch in total? I had 12 hatch. Um, one is a little deformed. His face, or its face, is messed up. Yeah, it's got like a cleft think... palate. Yeah, I don't know if that one's going to make it or not. I mean, if it does, I'd probably give it to a friend of mine or something as like a pet. But it's uh, it's kind of like missing its nostril holes. So it's a I don't know brother. if it's going to be able to shed or... But I mean, it's it took a pink head, like when I offered it before it before it had to initially shed. So, I guess we'll just kind of see where that goes. But the uh, the other eleven, I mean, they're perfect in every way. So, mm-hmm. all of them have eight except for one. Yeah, uh, I mean, like it'll just sit there and strike over and over and over. So, I mean, it's pretty predictable. It's just kind of being stubborn, hasn't swallowed yet, but it'll come around, I'm sure. Yeah, that's like a half the battle right there is just getting striking. Yeah, man, like all of these, just like right out the egg, they're just, you know, they're just so defensive. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, it's, compared to my last clutch, I'm pretty happy about it. I'm not having to stay up till 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> for a month straight. Trying to feed the little guys, so. Yeah, I'm not nice. so glad I finally got mine going, man, that's... Yeah, you, you've been having some success over there, ain't oh. you? Yeah, the uh, man, like the chick down, chick down worked really well. I know, like everyone <laughs> kept telling me to try it, and I was like, all right, I don't have anywhere locally to get chicks, so I ended up biting the bullet and just ordering some. And the first night I tried them, like I got really good results with the eight that I have right now. Um, I actually got all of them to eat, and then. Two nights ago, I offered them again, and got uh, they all ate uh, a second time. So we're rocking and rolling. I got two or three that are in shed already now. Like they're, I guess, it really kickstarted their little systems. But yeah, I've got you know the ones that were runners didn't take a whole lot of convincing with the chick down. Um, I had one or two that were really aggressive and as far as striking and you know trying to take cracks at it and. It worked on them too, you know. They'd take a couple swipes and realize what's going on, and and take. So, yeah. feels good. They're all on the right track. The runt of the litter, which came out at like four grams, is is eating food now too. And nice. so I think we're 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 in the clear currently. <clears throat> at least That's I hope. Good man. Hopefully, hopefully they'll all take off pretty soon. It's nice when you can just open the tubs and you know, yeah, set them right back. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, uh, but I'm not gonna pair that girl again until next year. Um, yeah, definitely no, give her the year yeah, off. Yeah, no plans on on doing anything this year except for probably cooling off. Hopefully, my bear rats will be ready, and I'll cool them off this winter, and then warm them up next year and pair them. So, 
those, those babies will keep you busy. They'll, they'll yeah. keep you entertained uh, for, for a year. You'll have your hands full. Yeah. Well, uh, currently, I'm just, I need to start looking more down the road and start planning out how much space I need for cages and stuff instead of taking on new stuff at the moment, you know, aside from maybe the one or two small things here and there, but I don't want to load up on a bunch of babies and stuff and then in a year and a half, two years, whatever, need a ton of space because I now have to house all these and, you know, those 200 quart Python portal conversions that I got from Brahms and I got uh, some of the Amazons and stuff need upgrades and there's just the Boyga are going to get big. Just, I'm trying to map it out now. <clears throat> Stop bringing in new stuff and uh, plan for what I need going forward. Yeah, that's exactly what happened with me in the Timors and all my sub-adults. Yeah. Everyone needed a cage upgrade <laughs> in like six months. I was like, God damn it. Well, that's the problem when they're all the same size. You know, they all hit that that time at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, now i got to get eight Python portals put together. Mm-hmm. Hey, those things are pretty nice though I've been seeing a lot of people post them man they're the bomb I want to get more now that I I like David can even cut you the sizes that you need for the frame which makes it a whole lot easier because then I don't have to break out like the table saw and do all that I can literally yeah. just slap it all together uh, cut the tub attach to the tub get the glass and it's done you know it's that takes a lot of the a lot of the headache out, and I don't have to worry about screwing up the cut because I know I will. Now, do those use glass? Like, is it like a sliding glass yep. design? Okay. Yep. I'd seen some pictures of them posted. Um, I seen where Steve down there in Georgia had posted the ones where he actually used the whole tub. Yeah, he got the cambro like around conversions. the outside. Yep. That's okay, uh, is that a cambro tub? That yeah, that's a, a different okay. design, but does the same thing. Nice. Yeah. I like the Cambros, but Cambros are expensive, man. Yeah, it's a lot of money for cheap. a big giant piece of, you know, whatever it is, HDPE or plastic or mm-hmm. PVC. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, my biggest thing is I'd be so worried about cracking that, you know, going too yeah. going too hard with the drill and, and just obliterating it and then being out of a $55 tub. So. Yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking. I have a few of those here right now. And you're just like, uh, and at first I tried to, I did try to like use a soldering iron and like that did not work. <laughs> was it just <laughs> not so melting? The drill Definitely it helps just... to drill pilot holes. Yeah, exactly. Step That's what we started. We, we did pilot holes and then it worked. It was a lot less nerve wracking. But um, yeah, the soldering iron just did not, it kind of went through, but it looked, it looked like shit. <laughs> yeah, I've never been a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Will Banks, what is your what's your current collection look like, man? Like how many how many condors are you at? What's your what do um, most of them consist of? Uh, I got twenty six Beoc outcrosses and Beocs. Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just all Beoc stuff, man. Um, Pimping ain't I got easy. Two, two regular Beocs, and the rest are outcrosses. Um, is that including the babies now? Yeah, yes, yes. Oh. It's the babies that are just hatched too. So, I don't know. You know, I, I have a relatively small collection. It's just, it's just a lot easier to manage. I, I mean, don't know, man. Twenty six is a pretty decent number. Well, I mean, just like even for I just have twenty six because the eggs just hatched. So. Strictly chondros, though. That's that's a yeah. that's a good bit. Well, I mean, it's not enough to where it's like 
so overwhelming that yeah. you can't keep up yeah. with it or like you know and having a smaller collection i feel like you can kind of get to know each snake individually and mm-hmm. kind of pay attention to what it does and it it's just a lot easier to learn them that way and you can really focus like pay attention to your females and your males so right yeah, and I saw you got some carpondos now too, right? Oh yeah, I forgot oh, about yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, I didn't add those in. Yeah, I got that carpondo, and then I got that uh, ocelot jungle jag. Um, that Gary thing's Emerson. crazy, dude. That thing's yeah, wild. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I kind of just bought the carpondo because I was just I seen it and I was like, I was like, surely you know, there's not one of these available. And I I messaged John. He's like, yeah, actually, somebody just backed out. I was like, oh great. Uh, ended up buying it. Just kind of got it because I don't know they're cool and you don't see them every day and it's just something, yeah. to, you know, something to have. Why not, right? I mean, I know you haven't had it too long, right? But have you yeah. noticed any difference between like a regular Condra and that twenty-five percent carpet? Does that change anything? Like personality-wise, yeah, it's, uh, it's like I mean, it's super chill. It's uh, it doesn't always perch you know sometimes it's laying that on the tub floor so i put a little hide in there and you know sometimes it'll be on top of it in it or it'll be perched like a chondro so it's kind of cool it's actually in shed right now <laughs> it's just bizarre. uh it's back there laying underneath the tide it's so, like it decides what what species it wants to be on yeah what day yeah man it's pretty cool so and what then, do you, you know i know some people don't like them it's well, what are your plans you know, for but, them long term are you planning on Taking a crack at reading them. I think when we talked about it, you sound like you were kind of on the fence. Yeah, I mean, I may take that ocelot jungle jag, mm-hmm. and I may try to make some carpondros with it. You know, way down the road, I don't know. I may buy another carpet and breed it to it. Make some nice carpets. Um, I kind of just wanted the carpet because I always have so many people come over and they're like, "Hey, man, can I hold a snake?" And I'm just like, "I don't really want to no. hand them a condro." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know, here, here you can play with this one, but um, that's why yeah, I have the yeah. brettles because the brettles are per man. I got that big male brettles. Like my six year old could hold him, no, no problem. Like I wouldn't worry about him at all. He's 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 so chill, dude. Yeah, he just this girl. She's pretty high strung still, but you know, I'm like I can reach my hand in there. She's not biting me. She's mm-hmm. just kind of like backing up. You know, it's like and. She'll throw a bluff every now and then, but right. it uh, it actually bit me the first day, and it's it's really nothing compared to a, like a full grown chondro. It doesn't mm-hmm. really, you know, I guess the teeth aren't as bad. So, but you focus as far as chondros go. You focus you're like beox are kind of your your jam. Yeah, is there always like the beox? What just... is there a reason for that? Like, what is it about beox that that has you so drawn to them? Uh, they're just big, hearty, healthy animals, man. Um, you know, as long as they're not imported over in a Coke bottle. <laughs> get some, you know, U.S. captured bred ones, and the market's pretty small for U.S. captured bred ones. And I find that have... so strange that that's the locality that's imported the most and the cheapest always. Yeah. But they're the most in demand for captive bred. Yeah, it's, like, it's really it's weird, isn't it? Really, yeah. It's <laughs> it's just it's so bizarre to me. What's well, um Ed Bradley that lives out in California? I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but 
he has an amazing VR collection, and I remember just looking at it back in like 2012, and mm-hmm. you know he had posted some stuff, and I was just blown away. And it's, it seems like he's kind of kind of like consistently producing like higher yellow Beox and you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to get towards. Um, which is nice. Uh, I mean, this year I'm going to take that, that high yellow, hopefully I'll male and breed him with the girl from 17 and 18 mm-hmm. the pairing. I did that year. The, mm-hmm. uh, the yellow Neil, Neil Beok girl. Yeah, that Kofi X nuts, dude. Yeah, I'll, a screamer. I want one of those babies. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> those are cool. I love those yeah. things. And it's mind blowing that they're like, because I've seen. Is that the one that's F uh, three? No, that that's the, the uh, that's the female that I got from Mark as well. Yeah, that's I, just I, I cool. I picked up both itself. of those. Yeah, yeah, she's cool too. Yeah, um, he was kind of cutting down because he was going to school so much and starting a new job out at delta and he hit me up and you know i'd seen he posted some stuff for sale and i was like well you know i know the two that i want so i drove (laughs) down to georgia and met him and got him but that male he's already cruising the cage i mean he's ready yeah i uh actually put him in with the female about three weeks ago and he chased her all over the cage Like, just the two hours he was in there. But, you know, she wasn't receptive, so I just went ahead and pulled him. Going to wait till uh, the winter rolls around and try him again. But Is that when you typically pair yours? Do you like to pair yours when it cools down, or you just kind of yeah, time um, you know, I feel like throwing them together to see what happens? Yeah, and I kind of do it around, like, when I have the time mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, I just hatched those out, so I'm not really... <laughs> right. Like really wanting to read another pair right rush now. To have um, more. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> not trying to like mass produce anything over here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll uh, you know in the summer I'll feed pretty sparingly, and then fall rolls around, I'll start kind of picking up the feeding, and you know naturally my room starts dropping from probably seventy five down to seventy, mm-hmm. and so ambient temps in the cage probably go you know from. Probably 75 to 70, you know, down near the bottom area. And, uh, you know, just that alone makes, you know, a huge difference, at least for me here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll start, you know, feeding a lot more, like weekly, but, you know, really small meals. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they're off know, food, how often are you feeding them, if at all? Or are you just giving them a couple months off completely? Off food? What, like my meals or something? Just, no, when you're like before you start amping up food, how often are they getting fed? Oh, um, I usually feed like tonight. I fed that F3 girl, mm-hmm. it had been 20 days since she ate. Okay, so I usually do, I don't know, some like 18 to 30 days around that area, mm-hmm. I guess. And I'm not feeding like super big meals either, so I kind of. You know, it, it, it kind of gets them to their system faster than, you know, they're looking again. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave my girl after she laid, I think I had, somehow I ended up with some rats and I gave her a rat or two. But other than that, I, I don't only feed adult mice. I don't, I don't really see any need to feed anything bigger than that. You know, I'll give her one or two of those once a month. And the male, I'll give him kind of whenever I feel like it. Uh, oh, you, so, so you just feed mice? Yeah, yeah. Currently, 
Yeah, <clears throat> feed uh, the mice, rats, and the African soft furs. Kind of mix it up. Mm-hmm. Do you do you notice them putting on weight faster when you kind of change it up like that, or like you you notice them kind of no, fatten I mean, them up a little I've, bit? I've been doing it for so long, like I just do it with all of them. So. Yeah. Except for the younger ones, obviously. I'm not feeding them rats or African soft furs. But, mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, not really. Because I do feed pretty sparingly, so nothing's really, like, big fast. But, I yeah. mean, they do have their, you know, their growth spurt from, you know, one to three or whatever. You know what I mean? They grow pretty quick, mm-hmm. um, especially the females. Um and how often are you like switching it up? Like, is it like every other meal or like every five meals and you maybe try it like someone else or? Sometimes I'll do like two mice in a row, then I'll do like a rat. Oh, I'll cool. do another mice and like an African software, you know, just kind of, I'll just kind of like look back on the log and like if it ate, you know, a, you know, like a mouse last week, I'll feed it something else. But it also depends on what I got in the freezer too. So. We're going to get super analytical. Like, what brand water and paper towels do you use? <laughs> Costco, is it reverse Costco. osmosis? <laughs> is it great value brand or Deer Park? I used to do all that with the water, but around here, I've actually, you know, I tested the water, and it's really not that bad, and the pH is like 7.0, so it's not bad at all. Nice. I've been rocking that yeah. Brita Pilcher, thanks to uh, to Luke there. Yeah, I like the that Brita Pilcher. Just great. take it right in the snake room, dump the water right in there. I love it. I'm saving nice. so much money because, I mean, before I was buying, you know, six gallons of water a week, whatever. I mean, that adds up. You know, it's not expensive. But if you look at it over the course of a year, it's definitely the, the $20 Brita Pitcher is well worth the, the money. And I found some spare filters definitely. at a thrift store that are unopened, so. Oh damn! Sweet. Save me some money too. <laughs> but I'm still using like I've been using that thing now for probably nine months, and I haven't had to change the filter yet. Like it's still good. It's crazy. It lasts yeah, forever. Keep it in the fridge? No, I just I keep mine on the table, and then whenever I do water changes, I just go fill it up. Uh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, and i use it uh i've been using it for the dart frogs too like i just i fill up the mister with it and spray and i haven't had any issues with them either so is working nice. fine i like it i keep trying to convince jake to do it and stop spending money on a bunch of water too oh come on now he still buys water yep <laughs> i've tried i'm like dude like yeah it's only <laughs> six or eight bucks a week when you buy it but it paid that that brita pitcher pays for itself in no time Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, so I was looking at your Instagram too. So you're thinking about, are you thinking about putting that male with the David Newman animal? Is that the, the one you were talking about earlier? The Kofiao uh, male? I wish I could. No, she's still got about two years of age yeah. to put on before I can. That thing is so that. crazy. I see those pictures all the yeah. time and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I love that snake. Oh yeah, you got a favorite at your place right now? Uh, like number one? Probably my favorite would probably be my OSIO male, the OSIO Bioc male, or that female Bioc that I paired him to. They're just great snakes. 
I mean, awesome. the female man, she just she'll poop after every meal. She's always roaming around. She's big. I mean, she's just an awesome snake. She's a perfect snake. Can't be best. Yeah, she just. I mean, she keeps herself. You know, just give her mm-hmm. water and change the substrate. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, how do you you yeah, like man. to keep yours pretty simple? You don't you don't do anything naturalistic or. Um. I keep everything on wood perches mm-hmm. that's adult. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty simple. I mean, if I have plants in there, it's just fake plants hanging from the yeah. sides or something. And what size uh, setups are your adults in? Uh, I've got my my seven year old male. He's in a twenty four cube, which he's a he's a pretty large animal for a male. He's like five hundred grams and. Like, I hardly feed that dude, and he just stays big. Mm-hmm. Just Debo. It's just jeans, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the female, she's in a 36 by 24. And then I've got my animals that are growing up. I've got them in the 64 quart racks, my smaller males. Oh, cool. the, Then that larger female, I've got her in a, what is that gauge, a Neodesha? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. it's, uh, it's like 30, 30 something long. I can't remember. Or wide, I mean. But I've got a... the cage, and, you know, they were cheap. So it's just a one piece design. Yeah, I love them, man. That's what I use for my Atrox and my Copperhead, and they're great. And I yeah. bought a huge one that I was originally going to put the, the Atrox in once she got bigger, but it's kind of cracked in a few spots because it's old. So the male brittles is in that. I don't find it venomous worthy because there's structural damage. <laughs> I don't mess with that's what I bred in this year, so they're nice cages. So they're hard to Do you find think, uh... now. They like stop making them. The one piece design with the single pane. That's what I bought. I mean, yeah. I bought that cage like two years ago. Yeah, it was semi-recent because I brought a brand one to, uh, bought a brand new one too for that Atrox, and then I went to go buy another one for whatever reason, and they don't have any more available. Oh, so. that's a bummer. It's worth its weight in gold now, buddy. <laughs> and I've I've still got that vision cage that we were talking about. It's just sitting oh, down there yeah, in the barn at my grandparents' about house. That, man. Yeah. Damn. It's the one, you know, that had, like, the, the dome insert mm-hmm. on the right, and I, I'd cut it out and put the uh, piece of insulation board up there and put a put a uh, radiant heat, heat panel in there, but I never ended up using it, so let's put it back down there. Well, you can always come to Daytona and bring it with you. <laughs> What's in Daytona? The Expo next month. When is it? Um, the 16th through the 18th? This month? No, no. August. No. A month from now. August, yeah. A month from today. Okay. I was going to say, wait a second. It is the 16th. But then the, the okay. day before, I'm going down to P and Cody Bartolini's to hang out. They're doing a little shindig at their place before Daytona. And, uh... They've nice. got some freaking killer chondros, man. I love yeah, they going got and of, seeing their stuff. They got a lot of stuff, don't they? They've got everything. Oh, my God. Their house, <laughs> yeah. like, literally their house is all snakes, 
a bedroom, which also has snakes in it, a kitchen, which I think is the only snakeless room in the house, and then their bathroom, they have snakes in. And we're not talking like snakes. We're talking like taipans and mambas and... <laughs> It's not like ball pythons. It's like there. It's literally an entire <laughs> house of stuff that will kill you very quickly. <laughs> God damn! It's so cool though, man. They've got huge yeah, black cool. mambas. They've got they've got a bunch of mambas actually. They've got a bunch of westerns, a bunch of easterns. I think they have some Jamesons. Um, a lot of really. They have a montane room, which is all like the uh, Bothriacus stuff. So like the palm vipers from like Central America, Mexico, and stuff. And that room's like sixty degrees because that's I guess how you're supposed to keep them. It's so sweet, man. They do vivaria for all those too. It's not like simple setups. It's you just hang in there with a sweater on. No, that's what I did. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. When we were there for Carpet Fest, me and Pierre were just hanging out, talking about you know all the how they got all that stuff, and it's cool. I can't imagine all the work that takes to keep oh, it up yeah, and just, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's I pretty much what Cody does full time. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I got nine over here and that stresses me out sometimes. Like, <laughs> damn, you guys. <laughs> can't imagine every room of the house. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they've got everything, though. They've got puff adders. They've got a couple different cobras, a um, bunch of different bothrop species. Uh, I mean, like you, you name it, they probably have it. It's it's nuts. <clears throat> but I will say though, having a collection like I think I'm at about forty right now, not counting the dart frogs because those don't really count. Uh, but like that compared to the cresteds when I was dealing with those is nothing. Like I can feed all my snakes in an hour and a half. You know, Crested's, it would have taken me probably two hours or so just to get through them all, get everybody watered, get, you know, cleaning day took up a good chunk of a day off, and now it's like I can be done before noon, no problem. And mixing up that Pangea. Yeah, that too. That That stuff's expensive, man. A half a pound is like 20 bucks. Yeah. I was having to buy that once a month. Back when I kept them, like they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I was like a kid though, but you know, everybody was still talking about feeding baby food and you know stuff. Wait, like that. <laughs> wait, really? Yeah. People would feed them baby food back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah that used to be a thing. It was like a thing until <laughs> they started realizing it was like causing like that metabolic bone disease mm-hmm. and all that. So who knew? Because it's made for freaking babies. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder who figured that out. Who's the first one to even try feeding them baby food? Like, I got this lizard. I got this baby food in the fridge. Let's see what happens. I think they were pretty much just going for anything that smelled remotely sweet because that they'll eat anything. If it smells sweet, they're they're all over it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Did you feed yours any fresh fruit? No. No, I literally just had so big. many at one point. I was like, I ain't. I don't even feed bugs. You know, I just fed Pangea. Okay. It was yeah. just. I was. I tried. I did bugs for a little while, and then once I got past like the twenty-five gecko mark, I was like, yeah, I don't have time for this. I developed an allergy to dubia that was pretty gnarly, and uh, it just. It was. I was like, getting the babies started on the dubia was a pain. 
Because yeah. just like so Conjos, yeah, just like Conjos, you know, they don't they don't realize that the dubious food, and so you have to kind of coax them into taking it. And once they do, they figure it out and they're on. But I don't miss them. They were fun, but I'm glad I'm I'm yeah. done with them. That's um that's kind of what got me into Conjos, you know, the arboreal echoes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wait, how long, or when did you get your first contest? Uh, I think it was in 2011 I got my oh, first nice. one. What was right it? On. Where did it come from? I went, I went to a um, local pet store that we had here in probably 2009, 2010, and they had a big old emerald tree bow in there, and I remember seeing that thing, and I was just like, damn, you know, thing's crazy looking, and it was like, you know, do not touch the glass because i guess it was like crazy high strung but mm-hmm. and uh the guy he had also had a couple carpet pythons in there you know i had never seen those that was kind of cool to see and uh, i actually asked the guy a few times like can you get me a green tree python here and he's like yeah you know no problem and he never did but um, <laughs> and i found a guy local to me that supposedly bred them but you know, a couple years down the road, I find out it's probably a wild-caught animal. <laughs> but it was sold to me as like an, I think it was an Arubiak. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was just a Biak. Probably an import. But You've got some Arus, though, right? You've got at least one. I had two. I uh, actually sold them a while back. What? Man. Yeah. That one you posted a while back was insane. Yeah, those things were nice. Oh man, that hurts my soul. Gotta stay focused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, got, you know, you got 15 Biox sitting there, and you got these two Aroos, and it's just like, yeah. So I don't what, know how what you do it, Bioc? huh? I said I don't know how you do it. What do you mean? Stay focused on like Biox and that that like that that little that little group. Like I just I. I, I can't just, uh, just don't have a lot of room man you know I set my chondro you There's know I set my snake room up in the smallest made. room in the house that way I wouldn't go too crazy <laughs> but Luke, and, uh, like yeah, Luke what were you what were you about to say I'm sorry yes yeah, so like what uh, what Biox outcrosses do you have I know you have the Copia Biox and what other ones are you working with um well that pair just did you know, that was, the girl was just a Biok, and then the male is a Cyclops Biok from Brian Gow, or Go, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but that pairing was Dirty Harry times Tolua, and Tolua was a female Biok, and Dirty Harry was from Ted Duane's um, Cyclops, it was just a Cyclops pairing, mm-hmm. and um then yeah, the Copial Biox, the um the OSIL Biox male, which you know, that consists of a lot of stuff. I'd have to sit there and pull the pedigree out and mm-hmm. really go through all that. His lineage goes back to the seventies or whatever, whenever Wow. Um Eugene Bissett was working with him. Um then that one from David the her dam Karen Bola, which I think is owned by the Dakota Steiner guy on Facebook mm-hmm. now. 
she shares 75% of the original tiger stripe lineage, except Damn. the original tiger stripe girl had 25% sarong and she's 25% OS. I think it's like Fort Worth zoo and Tony Nikolai and stuff like that. Now, can I'm you... not really sure the proper term for her. I don't know if it's tiger stripe or like PNG or, but she's 50% Bjork and her Bjork bloodline is actually from Ed Bradley and Rico from a pairing they had done together. So sweet. Can, yeah, can nice you explain the tiger stripe thing a little more? Cause I know I'm not terribly hip to it, but what's like, well, I don't, I just, I don't understand why they call them tiger stripes to begin with. Cause I don't think they look very tiger. Um, well, it's just the line name, I guess. Um, I don't want to butcher this to death because I'm not, you know, I'm not really a lineage guy. So I keep a bunch of beyonds. Just what you know, you know um, of it. Yeah. Um, I want to say, you know, it, it's 25% sarong. And then I'm not really sure what the rest of it was. I'd have to get on the Signal Hurt page and look. It's been so long since mm-hmm. I've looked. The original girl's on there. And then you can look at her. You can look at her parents. And I believe one of them's like a PNG animal. And then. Oh man, I'm not sure. Like what phenotypically, like what separates them though? Like what stands out from that line? Um, I would say the fact that they stay so yellow. Mm-hmm. And Rico had one that stayed orange, like well into like two and three years old. I'm not sure whatever happened to that animal. It was quite a funky color, and I'm not sure if you've seen like Dave D's Tiger Stripe Girl, but yeah, you know, I think she's I just big and yellow, and you know, just a few green flecks and just the it's just that diamond pattern mm-hmm. too you know that goes down the back man they're just so bold and just there and uh but that's a project you're wanting to pursue like that's yeah, something you want to work like, with more yeah definitely like the diamonds you know get the diamonds to stay around mm-hmm. and uh high yellow stuff and you're, with, you're, you're a big mustard guy too right yeah that um See, Carambola is actually, you know, she was a mustard animal, so she came out being mustard because she was from Bart Shohara's pairing that he did with some of the signal herp animals. And, I mean, there's a bunch of them. They refer to, I think his, his name's like BLS, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be like BLS and then the name of the animal. But, I mean, I think it was a three-peat pairing he did. He did it like three different years, and... Almost all of them came out to be like high yellow mustard animals. Cool. And you can look at the sire and the dam of them, and you know, you would never guess that it would come from that. But yeah, um, then the Argo, the sire of my OS high yellow Beog male, he was a high yellow mustard animal. And then Gunta, the grandsire, he was, you know, he was the OS high yellow animal. And, it wasn't really too mustard though, so not really sure where that came in at. But the male that I have, he's you know he's mustard colored, and all of his siblings were pretty mustard colored. That seemed to yeah, it seemed to come through pretty well. So I'm kind of curious to see if uh, you know my holdbacks and then all the ones I've sold out from that pairing. Kind of curious to see if any of them go mustard or end mm-hmm. up with that OS high yellow look, but. Yeah, like, uh, 
I don't think I've ever even seen like a a mustard from like a neonate and then through its ontogenetic color change. Like, is it crazy? Have you seen one of those? Like your male, did you get it as a baby or is it like different than a right? Like, does it go yellow and then get a weird color? Or... Well, um, my guy, he was kind of like a, like a dullish lime green. I don't know. It was kind of, kind of off, but it seems to develop at least with Diargo and with him, it seemed to, kind of develop like later on around three and four or five years old it seems to really start coming in with those it did but there's just not really many people working with mustards anymore so mm-hmm. I mean, every but, now and then you'll see somebody post them on facebook you know and it's like whoa but so that's cool so he's like a little bit of a lime green and then just all of a sudden at three or four years old he just started getting that funky mustard color yeah he just kind of you know, just as he got bigger, he just kind of changed. He just hard to explain. Like you just have to like hold it up to like you know like another animal and sit there and look it's like at it's, it. But... It's color change just kind of gave up. <laughs> it's kind of went bright. backwards. Like, like I want to be bright green, but it's like ah, screw it. Great poupon. <laughs> so, as somebody who kind of focuses more on localities, do you think more there should be more people? in the Condra community focusing on localities and sort of trying to preserve that? Well, I mean, kids can do what they want. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody has a has a preference on what they like. And mm-hmm. I think in terms of, you know, preserving things, um, Kofiao yeah. would be, you know, that's something that really needs to be, you know, looked after and I think Chuck Vogel's still breeding them, so that's yeah. Always nice. I need to get him on. He was at Carbifest too, man. I was just I was too scared to yeah. talk to him. He's a really nice <laughs> guy. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, because Luke was texting he... me. He's like, dude, if Vogel's there, <laughs> I want Kofi out. Yeah, I want Kofi out real bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I could have anyone, I was like, dude, he's here, out. and he's like, talk to him. I was like, no. <laughs> I even think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even think the green copias look a little different, honestly. Like even those oh, ones that do. don't stay yellow, I'm like, oh my god, that is a cool snake. Like, like I have, have a lot like of money. Yellow undertone to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just in those blue dirt. I love the the copias. So yeah, that that'd be a sweet one, Justin. You got to work on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be nice to see those. You know, more of those, and of course the you know like the Maruki, like the full striped animals it'd be nice to see some more of those yeah i don't even see those i mean i just check king snake when i'm bored i don't even see those come like marukis come in anymore yeah you, know, um, you really you really don't david haston had some a while back for sale and then he he had that he has a really nice pair he was working with but I'm not sure anything ever happened with it but he had a couple babies for sale last year i think it was so oh, cool everything i've heard about that region basically gives me the idea that it's sort of like the anti-Papua. Like, compared to other regions in, in that, that country, it's it's much more Australian-like as far as vegetation and, and overall environment. Like, it's a little drier. It's not. It's more scrubbish than it is, you know, rainforesty. Yeah. So I yeah. think in the Cape York region, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's the, like, there used to be a land bridge several million years ago between Australia and Papua New Guinea and Maruki's and, like, the centralish, southernish uh, section of, of PNG. Yeah. So, it makes sense, you know, like, this, the 
there's a lot of scrub pythons that get imported from there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know why you don't see chondros, though. I'm sure someone has an answer to that. I'm sure Harlan knows or something. I feel like they were for a while, but I don't know. I haven't seen imported ones in a little bit. There, maybe I'm not looking. That port may have even closed down or something. I don't I don't know. For some reason. Someone told me at some point, and I just I can't remember what it was. Damn. It's digging um, through hours of conversation with Harlan, I'm sure, and <laughs> trying to recall, and I can't. But Luke, what do you think? Do you think people need to need to like there should be more people trying to preserve locality over the designer crazy? Uh, uh, I think people should just do what makes them happy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's important. I think you should just. I think above all, you should just be stoked on the snake that you have in your room. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you if you're excited that it's a locale, great for you. If you're excited that it's some freak. You know, yeah. mutt snake. I don't know. I think it's kind of all just about, I don't know, just being stoked on the snakes and trying to give them the best care that you can. So I feel like as long as your husband's is on point, you're not mistreating the animal, I feel like do what you want to do. Yeah. You know? Seems yep. to me, you know, if there's no reason you you can't do both. You know, I'm gonna, I have the stuff from you, Luke, that will, you know, grow up and... <laughs> eventually be thrown into the, the breeding circle. Uh, but then I still have the Beox that I still will continue to pair, you know, as long as people are, you know, on the hunt for them and wanting them, I'll keep producing them. And uh, I don't know. I just, like, I like why not have both? Find yeah, a, like, I guess, find a I locality guess you want saying. and stick with it. And then any designer stuff you want to make, you know, throw Wamina and everything, do whatever. I don't, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess maybe if you really like chondros, you should like them all, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you really like green trees, you should be able to appreciate the localities just as much as designers. Maybe that's what I meant. <laughs> I mean, you can't have one yeah. without the other, in a sense. Right? Yeah, true. True that. Yep. So yeah, people who are like, oh, I only like localities, or people who are like, oh, I only like designers. I don't know about that, but you no, know, it's room for all. I like them all. They're all right. cool. I can appreciate, you know, a olive colored beog just as much as I can appreciate a sickness or the one you got from Irby recently. You know, there's they're just mm -hmm. It's a curse. That thing's ridiculous by the way, man. <laughs> but I will say as I I don't know what it is, but as I keep conjos for longer, I did not like to I mean, I did not like Beox that much when I first got into it, you know. I was like, "Oh, giant perosaurs." And, like, every year, I feel like I like Beox a little more. I'm like, oh, my God, they're so cool. I think and they like, just get the... a stigma, you know? They're they're the cheap – They're I don't want to call them, like, the trash chondro, but they're just – they're the chondro <laughs> you always see imported on the tables for 300 bucks, and it's always like, oh, yeah, they're Beox. They all look the same, whatever. But I've come to appreciate them more myself over time, and, I mean, that's – It makes that's... you wonder how they're so, like, prolific in the wild that there's yeah. so many of them yeah. imported in. I mean – Right. I mean, they're bigger and oh, they're just cool. I gotta get, I gotta get a few over here. They're on the list for sure. Well, what's you know what's interesting about that locality too is there was never a land bridge to that island. Yeah. It is completely its own thing. So whether there was some sort of drift that happened and they somehow ended up over there, if it was by uh, human introduction or something, it's just. I thought that was really interesting that they're mm -hmm. like they were never part of the 
the main group. They just somehow ended up there, and that's you know that's why they're so different. So yeah, they definitely look different. Man. <laughs> Elevate them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get that running, dude. Next year, they'll be their own species. <laughs> Do you guys think they should be? Uh, I guess if the research backs it up, then sure. Yeah, it's actually, I don't know. I think all that stuff kind of doesn't matter too much. Yeah, it's joking. a hobbyist and stuff. I don't think it does. Like, I don't well, understand why people get their panties in such a wad about that. Because I don't know if you guys follow carpet pythons and you know there's this big thing about the proper name for Erie and Jaya carpets or Popwin carpets and no one can seem to decide what's what. And it really doesn't mm-hmm. matter because yeah. it's the same damn thing. Whether you call an apple an apple or a you know an apple a green apple, it's still an apple. Mm-hmm. Well, and and even it was funny. So today, one of the people there, she's working on her master's and with these garter snakes, and she's looking at like, or maybe her PhD, she's looking at genetic differences between the snakes in like different rice canals or like mm-hmm. basins, and like. And we were talking to her, like, she's like, yeah, they're different. And we're like, so they're a subspecies? She's like, they're a subspecies? If I say they're a subspecies. So <laughs> it kind of just depends Science. on who's doing the research. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, even, like, the difference between a subspecies and a full species is, like, just depends on who's doing the research and what they kind of, I don't know. You know well, what I mean? I mean, very, you like, being in that field or working in that field, in a sense, like, is there not some sort of standard where they're saying, okay, for it to be a subspecies or a full species, it has to have this much mitochondrial DNA difference, like percentage from this other populace. No. Like, is there nothing like that? I have not heard of a standard. Usually it's pretty much from what I've come to understand. Um, who's ever writing that paper kind of chooses, you know that's what I mean? So they'll up. say, Hey, if it's this different, then it's a different species that's- or, that's probably how that Hoser got of... all his grubby hands on everything and changed it. Mm-hmm. The but there are some terrorist. things that do kind of make sense why it shouldn't be a standard. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I was talking to one of my teachers about it, and I think uh, this was like a long time ago. But if I'm if I'm quoting her correctly, it was something like, imagine something like that's been around like 20 million years, like sharks. There's going to be more divergence, even though maybe they are still pretty much the same thing. But over that time, there's been there's been they've been able to kind of change a little bit yeah, more like from each other micro adjustments over a very long period of time yeah so yeah. if they've been around for a really long time you might expect to see some more differences in dna but i don't know above my pay grade <laughs> maybe in a few years not my circus not my monkeys <laughs> yeah exactly well, another prime yeah. example of that is like the timber rattlesnakes like up north you have timbers and then down here in the south we call them cane breaks and they really mm-hmm. don't look that similar. And at one point, they were saying cane breaks were subspecies, and they came back and said, no, they're not. Yeah. But I think just, it really just depends. There's for the, lumpers and splitters out there. For the for the private sector, like like you said, I just don't think it matters that much. No. Unless you're in the business of trying to preserve, a, you know, that's like, you're not going to, if you have inland carpets, you don't want to breed those to brettles. Like, you want to keep inlands and, as inlands, and you want to keep brettles as brettles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, bi- biocs are totally different. And, like, whether they're a subspecies, a full species, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? But I understand when they keep them separate from other stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. But, oh, man. Anyways, I want to talk to <laughs> Justin about some neonate stuff 
<laughs> what what temperatures do you keep your neonates at? Um, I think my rack's set on 87 right now. Okay. Uh, but, of course, it's not actually 87 degrees in there. It's probably more like mm -hmm. 85 and 80 towards the front. Yeah, I, I've been rocking mine at 85 pretty steady without any issues so far. Top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of set it and then... You know, just really watch them if they're pressed up towards the front of the tub. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know you get a little too hot, but I mean, a lot of the times with this this rack and this room, you know where I'm at, they're usually towards the back or in the middle of their tub. Sometimes towards the front, yeah. just depending. I don't if know about y'all, you know, if I see mine moving around a lot, where I have, you know, if I notice in the when I wake up in the morning, if the neonates are all sort of towards the front or the middle. And then when I come home later that day, they're more towards the back. Like, to me, I like that. Like, that's a sign that something's right. You know, they're moving. The temperatures aren't too hot. They're not too cold. They're kind of, they're doing their own thing to make that happen. And same with the adult cages. Because like I've said previously on other episodes, like, I'm really not a fan of the cubes now. I really like longer, longer cages. Yeah, I think if you're going to use cubes, you need to run cooler temps. Because mm -hmm. there's just really nowhere for them to go if, you know, if it is too hot. If you... If your husbandry ain't on point and you're just, they just, you know, they can only go so far away from that heat panel mm -hmm. or run a smaller heat panel when I mean, you're sitting there running it all the time. But what do you prefer mm -hmm. to keep your adults at? Um, that male, I have it set for 84, and then I give him a four degree night drop from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. okay. And I pretty much do that night drop with all my animals, just depending mm -hmm. on the animal. and I'm still uh, I'm pretty new to racks. Like you know, I got my first rack like two or three years ago, and I just I don't know. I don't ever feel like they're dialed in right, as opposed to a cage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotta honestly, I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's like, you know, if the ambient room temperature changes at all, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, really messes one, with them. One hundred percent. Yeah, my racks seem to definitely kind of fluctuate a lot more with ambient, opposed to where my cage is kind of. Regardless of ambience, and just stay pretty steady. Yeah, this um, this recent rack I picked up, I got an eight tub, sixteen quart from that Dragons for You, mm -hmm. and I just had them put heat tape in the back and on the you know and on the belly, and mm -hmm. it seems to hold temps a lot better that way. It's not having to constantly you know spike in power to get it up, and you know seems to do pretty well in this room, so I'm happy with that. So some of your adults in those racks, are you planning to move them all to cages or you kind of are just leaving them in the racks for now? Well, I have a, I have a male. He was born in 14 and he's in, he's in one of these 64 courts. And I mean, he honestly, he's fine. He's, he's kind of a smaller male. The, the sire Dalma Neos I've got right now. Um, mm -hmm. And then that Kofi Abiyak male, he's in one. And that F3 girl's in one. And then the girl from David is in one. But they're all still kind of growing. Besides the Kofi Albiog male. But he's kind of smaller too. So I do plan on eventually, you know, getting some larger stuff. As I grow up some of these holdbacks, you know, I'll be putting them into as I move stuff up. So mm -hmm. I'm going to grab a couple more cages. And what kind of wood are you using for your purchase? 
Um, in my girl's cage, I've got some of that manzanita wood mm-hmm. and that manzanita burl works. And then these other cages, I'm not even sure what kind of tree or what it is, but out there in my grandparents' house, they've got like a 15 acres like worth of woods. And there's just this certain little tree that grows and it's just got all these funky branches on it. And I just use it and I'll usually clean them and bake them and then I'll, I'll seal them with that, you know, that salad bowl wood finish stuff. And I mean, they do just fine. Yeah. Cause I feel like the list of, of trustworthy woods that are going to hold up to, you know, even slightly higher humidity than normal that aren't going to rot and mold and, like that yeah. list is fairly small, so I, I've been using the crepe myrtle for some of the brettles and the the conjure that's in the python portal setup right now, and that's I love that stuff. It's it's really doesn't have super thick bark. It's really hard. It does not lay. I my parents cut trimmed their tree years ago, and those branches are still in the woods, not rock, like rock hard. Yeah, that that stuff, stuff does not break down easily. Yeah, there's a ton of that stuff on the coast, and they're like, I yeah, always yeah, see it yeah. in Florida. I have a buddy who has a tree company. I told him, I said, if you ever trim any crepe myrtles, let me know, because I, <laughs> I want some of those branches. Nice. I'll start stockpiling them, on, and then if anybody wants some, I can ship them through a yeah, I've just tube never been a fan of like PVC in adult cages. I don't know. It's just... Is it like an aesthetics mm-hmm. thing? Well, it's that and just like the texture of it. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. like, I guess you, the the ones that I have used, I've took a knife and sit there and you know, like chipped little bitty chunks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a piece of wood, but it's just like if I'm gonna go through all that work, just just use a piece of wood. So hmm. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the conjos are more comfy on it. I don't know, but well, yeah, I like the wood a lot more too. I think I think in general it just looks so much better than just a PVC rod. Yeah, after yeah. using it with this one setup, I actually I agree. I really like the look of it more than the than the PVC. But I'm anxious to get more of these portals built, man. I got another small Bioc that's gonna need one probably by the end of the year. Uh, I got the two Amazons that definitely need an upgrade soon. One of them especially. Uh, I mean, there's just so many uses for them. The Bowiga are gonna go in some eventually. I just, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I want to just have a wall of them. You know, they they look so good. Yeah, they really do. I really think, yeah, my grow out rack. I think I'm just gonna throw that away and put all all the neos right into portals, mm-hmm. like some smaller ones, because I think they look so much better. It's like that's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check some of those out myself. We'll yeah, just do that instead of adult cages. I mean, it is cheaper. Like, I did the math, and I posted it on MVF, and it's with everything, like thermostat, heat panel, tub, portal, all that stuff. It's the same price as just a straight PVC cage from Reptile Basics with none of that. And it's half the price of, like, a Sharphorn cage fully fully kitted out. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah, glass and all, it's it's great. And I, I'm using a 200 quart for that small male, for him to grow into. And that's a, that's a big cage. I think we ended up doing the math, and it's like 50 gallons, 55 gallons. It's it's big. 
So have because I mean you got both of you have clutches. Have you guys figured out how many whole backs you guys are gonna keep? No. Are you doing the whole clutch thing or? <laughs> I'm terrible with that, man. Let's just, uh, I have no idea. I'm yeah, obviously gonna keep that one that looks like a like a rotten apple or whatever with the black all over it. Yeah, that thing is crazy. When you said rotten apple, I laughed out loud. Yeah. I was like, ah, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And I posted it. Somebody said, I think it was Greg Waltz or something. He said that. But what do you, you have a normal process with previous clutches as far as picking out holdbacks? Do you hold on to them for a certain period of time, or you like what do you what dictates that for you? Me? Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is only my second clutch, so. Uh, I mean, I I want to keep them all, but I can't. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, I just do not have the room, you know, mm-hmm. or, the, or the time. So, uh, I mean, I'll kind of pick out a funky one, and then I'll kind of pick out, like, a plain Jane one because, you know, sometimes even the plain ones end up looking, you know, the best out of the clutch. Yeah. And Luke, the, that's um, kind of what you did, though, isn't it? Yeah, I ended up just – because I kept two, and I just kept the two that were honestly kind of like – I went just polar opposite. So I just mm-hmm. want one with the thickest stripe and then I just want one with the thinnest stripe and then kind of sold everything in between. Yeah. So we'll that's, see. that's one bad thing about working with Beox. It's like, well, you know, I'll hang on to them until they change a little bit, but you know, you're two years <laughs> in and they haven't changed. Mm-hmm. So I was about to uh, say, you just had your second clutch, and like none of them have really started changing too much yet, huh? I know you have that no. that one with the black flex, right? But that's about it. Yeah, that one that was pretty melanistic. I uh, actually sold him the other day. No, what? <laughs> Not into the melanistic stuff, man. Yeah, Wilbanks is a freak, man. He's he's like anti melanistic. He's like he just likes to watch the world burn. <laughs> I mean, I was going to keep it, but it's just, it's the only animal I have with black. So it's just, I don't know. He's like, oh, get rid of it. (laughs) Get out of here. Gross. Black on my snake. Then the the other two that I have, uh, well, I've I've still got five of them, but 15, the black one, you know, he's still here, but he sold um, an 01 and 03. 01's a yellow. And that was the one that kind of looked like you know, it kind of looks like a Runeo. It's, it's strange looking, mm-hmm. but it's oh, still well, solid it, yellow. Is it, then, did it have? Did it have those really crazy, like bright yellow eyes too? I think I remember you posted a picture of that one. Uh, maybe. maybe. It's like the. It's the one with like the, it's like a yellow, but it has like the diamonds, like the white inside of it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's exactly. different than all the other ones. Yeah. And then O three, the red. It doesn't have any green. Um, it's like gaining red scales on its back and stuff, and it's it's gaining a couple of those white flowers like Diargo had. So oh, cool. I'm obviously going to hang on to that one. And then I've got 06 and then 17. I'm trading to a buddy of mine, getting a 50% Maruki from Rico Wilder's like original stock from way back in the day that that Ron guy up in Chicago mm-hmm. worked with for so long. Um it was a female from that, and then a buddy of mine has a male from the Rodney Tums Matilda pairing um, over there at Southern Condros, Kim Burge. 
Okay, yeah. His the sire too is is from is from that pairing. He's actually a sibling to Mark Heger's Sundance. Ooh. So yeah, the Neo is you know that, and then the Kitchener Saint Marie So I'm gonna trade him an animal for that and. Ballin. That'll be the only non-Biok animal I have, but it's still, it'll still be, you know, it's still high yellow genetics. So. <laughs> Made it four years. You did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> or a few years, several years, not bad. Damn. What about you guys? How many chondros are you up to now, Justin? Uh... Let me mentally count in my head real quick. Um... Two, well, no, fourteen. It happens fast. I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I got them all. I'm only at nine right now. Yeah, I've got nine. fourteen. So I'm at nine. Hopefully, add to that number this winter. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with smaller collections. Yeah, it's true. Like you said earlier, I mean, you really do get to kind of... I think sometimes people try to call these animals dumb, or they're not the smartest, but they all do have their own little quirks and personalities. Boy, they are dumb. I think you do. You do get to pick up on that when you only have a few, you know what I mean? Which is kind of fun. And I think, like, what's the cool part about keeping them, you know? Yeah, you can, like, walk in your room and, like, you know... Well, what are you doing sitting over there? You know, oh, mm-hmm. so it's in a shed. You know, you just pick yeah. up all that stuff after a while. Do you do anything mm-hmm. as far as getting your neos started? Do you just you go straight for the chick down? Do you like to wait when they when they first come out to feed them? Do you feed them right out um, of the bat? Like, what do you What have you done in the past with the last with this clutch and the, with... the last clutch? That last clutch of seventeen, I tried a few of them before shed. You know, that was my first time mm-hmm. trying to feed Neos. So I didn't, you know, I watched a ton of videos and stuff, and I've had young animals, and I couldn't get any of them to eat, so I just, you know, said the hell with it. I'll just wait till they shed, and I waited till they shed, then I gave them a few days, and I started trying them. I had some, you know, that just hammered it right off the bat, had like two or three, and then, then I started using chick down on some, got some going. And I had like probably like five or six that would just would not eat. Um, I took a one of those reptilinks, it was like the frog and rabbit one, and mm-hmm. cut it open and took kind of mashed it into some water. And I sent it with that, and like five of them just hammered it and ate right off the bat. Damn, so that was that was cool. Um, and I still had like two non feeders, and one of them looked exactly like that that melanistic one but it ended up you know it it was still like hatchling size at six months old oh, so wow. you know it, it went to the freezer um it just was not gonna make it and then but yeah i mean i'll you know Uh-oh. i'll go to scenting soon if it's gonna get them eaten it ain't like it's hard to get them off of eating from chick down when they start sight feeding they're gonna now they're gonna hammer anything mm-hmm. you put in there so I hear, a train? A, I hear a train. Yeah, yeah, my bad. I live back next to the train track. <laughs> Sorry. <guys. laughs> 
I've it's got um, I've got a, a roommate who screams at his TV when he plays Xbox, and then I have we have like bats or birds living in our chimney right now too. So all day I hear this squeaking. Oh god! I don't know what it is. I haven't investigated it, and now I've got the dart frogs that are calling all day in two separate rooms. It's just a noisy, noisy household. It's a noisy house. And um, this clutch, the ones that just hatched, there were some of those. I think it was number five. I mean, like I literally took him out of the hatch tub, put him in his individual tub, and then that night I offered him a pink, and he, you know, he took it and ate it like first try. And I was like, you know, holy shit! <laughs> um, and then, and then I tried a few more of them, and they did the same thing. And then all of them shed the other day. And yeah, there's nine of them ate last night, like like it was nothing. I was like, how, you know, how? <laughs> I mean, this happened the first time. Yeah, but I think I got extremely lucky with that. So. That's cool. You feel a little a little more confident the second time around. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. What did you do? Did you do anything differently with the first clutch that you hatched as far as incubation than you didn't do with the second? Like, what did you change? Because I know, and I've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. like, next time I breed, I already have a list of stuff that I'm going to do differently. Did you do? Did about, you change anything up as far as incubation goes with this clutch? No, I, I mirrored it, you know, exactly the exact same. It was, you know, the last clutch was 17 for 17, so I mirrored it the same. And um, I did use one different probe, um, my main chamber. I had a Herpstat too that I got from Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually... He's a calibration technician, so I had him calibrate it, and he's using it. And you know, I use the main probe that I have the heat hooked up to. I run the main chamber, and I'll put the second probe in the egg box, and just monitor. And it usually runs about 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3 degrees cooler in the egg box as it does the main chamber. So since I know that about my setup, this year when I changed that probe two because i couldn't get it to work it was reading like 86.5 the whole time yep but i knew it's 87.5 so i know other than that i didn't change anything um you know this when you, when you get around to the about two weeks before hatch i'll open up like four of the six holes on the um on the, on the egg box i can get a little more ventilation and then as the temps start to rise that extra Point two to point five degrees. I'll lower the main chamber temps down to kind of you know battle that yeah rise in the egg box from where yeah. they're you know they're putting off heat. So and uh, were you using? Did you make your incubator? Or you bought one or? Uh, I bought one. I bought that the Sea Serpent's hot box, the twenty four inch model. Yeah, I'm gonna do that this year. I was going to go the bind one route, but I just, I don't know. I just didn't really want to leave too much up the chance of it being my mm-hmm. first one. And I'd seen so many people who had been successful with them. was, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. So. And for the box, was it a, a sim container or you made your own kind of egg box? I uh, used a large sim. Nice. Cool. Also worth their weight in gold because you can't get a hold of any of them. <laughs> I mean, I can't remember. I think I just bought it off Reptile Basics. Pretty sure. I messaged Maybe. them when I was waiting on, when I was expecting eggs at some point. I messaged them like twice, like three months apart. 
or several weeks apart saying, yo, when are y'all going to have more of these in? They're like, oh, we'll make a post about it. We'll let you know. And never saw anything. Yeah. But I will say, Will Banks, you were, you were, I'm pretty sure you were, you were accurate when I was sending you pictures of those eggs and they were all dented. You're like, dude, those are dehydrated. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like they can't be, they're above water. Like they're surrounded by water. How could they be dehydrated? And now looking back, I'm like, man, he was right. Well, I was just kind of basing it off, you know, how mine looked at that time. Mm -hmm. And most people's, you know, they're plump. Yeah, I'm switching time, so. switching to to vermiculite or something next time. Because Luke, you did the same thing. You had yours over water, and then that wasn't working mm-hmm. out, so you moved them into vermiculite, and they came right back. Yeah, it was either it would be too wet or too then get too dry. I put them on vermiculite. It was all good. Well, did you keep your main chamber like really wet too? Because like I'll spray my main chamber too. Oh, see, yeah, I didn't spray my main chamber at all. I kept my main chamber completely dry and i, I think okay. the fans i i put in mine i think were a little too strong okay. I, I built my own and yeah i think i put like really kind of just barely enough to move the air where this i think last time they were kind of blowing air um, yeah but i think i'm just gonna buy the sea serpent one it was cool i built one it was a learning experience <laughs> but i think i'm just gonna get a sea serpent one next time mm-hmm. i use mine for raising fruit fly cultures now I, dro- oh, cool. I dropped it down to 80 and i just stick cultures in there and those things explode now i get i get cool. fruit flies way faster <laughs> Sweet. but I, I did add the uh because we were talking about that as well when i was incubating uh and justin said the same thing you know i put a tub of water in there like a shoe box of water in the back and that that did seem to make a difference that did help but I'm just not messing with that that overwater substrateless, you know, whatever they call it. I mean, not, not there's really no need to, and you can just use like oversaturated perlite. I mean, right. you're, you're cutting out the risk of the water sloshing around. So, mm-hmm. oh, so that's what you did. You added over perlite, just filled with water. Yeah, I just did perlite and about a quarter inch below the um, egg crate, you know, and I'll saturate it to it's almost floating, but not floating. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's you know essentially the same thing but you just don't have water sloshing around when you're moving your egg box so yeah that's what made me nervous too i'd be like oh my god to splash these eggs but i mean people have done it over water for you know years i mean it's always been the go-to method so i just i don't understand how they get dehydrated when they're over water in an enclosed box well i mean it, I mean, it doesn't make I don't sense know. it could be It'd be the you know the air outside of the box being more dry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> well, why not? Yeah, did you have holes in yours? Huh? Did you have holes in yours? Yeah. And Were they closed up? Um. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah still drying. Damn. But trying something else next time. Did you, um, I'm not sure if we had talked before you put your eggs in, but when you initially put your eggs in the egg box and you had put them in the incubator, did you leave the, the lid cockeyed and slowly close it over a few hours? Uh, no. Okay, yeah, that's something I've seen, I think it's Ryan Young, I've seen him talking about that on the forum years ago, and 
it, uh, I guess it kind of like prevents them from getting like the wet spots and like the sudden change mm-hmm. in humidity. Yeah, that makes so sense. If you'll put them in there, like, and that's why I'll, I'll spray that main chamber too. So when I put them in there, you know, it's already humid. But, you know, it's not like 100% humidity like the egg box is going to be. And then just slowly close it over about three, four hours until it seals it up. And, I mean, doing that, I mean, the eggs just, you know, it just stayed the, huh. it, it just looked the exact same the entire time. So. Damn. Were you, uh, like, opening them or checking on them the whole time? Or they were just closed the rest of the time? No, I'll open them about once a week and wipe the, uh, I'll wipe the lid. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, I don't candle them. I don't touch them. I don't do any of that. I don't want them. I'd seen a post the other day about people talking about them possibly being strangled from umbilical cords. And, you know, if you're picking them up and candling them 40 days in, you know, that's could be a chance, you know, that it does mm-hmm. do that. I don't know, you know, for sure. But I mean, I can understand and, uh, candling them at first as you're putting them into the box. But after yeah, that, I don't I'll see do it the then, point. But... Like if they look, if the egg still looks healthy, then clearly it's still alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not black and covered in fuzz. Yeah. It'll hatch or it won't. I mean. Right. And do you cut yours or do you let them let them pip on their own? Uh, last year, they um about fifty percent of them pipped on mm-hmm. their own, and then about twenty four hours later, I just cut a little slit in the rest of them, mm-hmm. and there was still one in the egg when I started pulling them all out. And I just actually stuck that egg in the, um, you know, in its individual tub, and it just came on out by itself. That was number 17 yeah. that's still here with me. Because I lost a lot from my had a clutch of 17, and I lost a good bit of them, and all of them were full term because I cut them all open after all the other ones were out, just out of curiosity. And uh, yeah, I don't. It could have been big... a hydration thing. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I could have. It was also like. 56 days, I think, until the first one pipped, so the other ones could have been ready and they just never made it out. I don't know. Well, I've noticed on those, I mean, you can see, like, where they're sitting there, like, scratching the egg. You can see, like, the little black lines. So when I would see that, you know, it's like, hell, I'm going to go ahead and cut it Mm because, I don't know, there's a big debate on that. If it can't make it out the egg on its own, is it supposed to be alive, yada, yada, but... I mean, they seem to be pretty good animals. I'm glad I did it. Right. <laughs> and did you notice anything as, like, non-feeders were the ones that you had to cut open or anything like that? No, I didn't no. really. It's it's so hard to keep up with them when they all climb out of the eggs and get in a big bunch, you know. You can't really... <laughs> oh, that's true, that's true. No. Yeah. I- ironically, the first one that hatched for mine, the first one that pipped was the one that's the runt. Oh, really? I think one of the biggest <laughs> ones was one of the last ones out. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think the first one that pipped for me this year is that dark one. That real dark yeah, one. Yeah, you got a lot of variation of in that clutch, man. Yeah, I posted all the pictures on um, on Facebook like mm-hmm. right before I got on the phone with y'all. On the, I think it's on the Morelia Beardus form yeah. Facebook page. They're all on there. I didn't put the deformed one on there, but I did put the other 11. <laughs> the, uh, it's interesting. The the uh, 13th egg, I cut it, and it was just like a big thing of like goop. 
So, oh, really? Yeah, and the, the snake actually poked its head out, and it just looked like a little deformed peanut. And I was like, oh, okay, this snake, you know, not going to make it. And, you know, I let it go for a while, and all of them had come out, and I went ahead and cut it to look at it, and it had a ton of yelp left, but, like, right where the umbilical cord was, the snake's stomach was like stuck to itself, like it had formed to itself, like about an inch. Wow. So it was like almost like the umbilical cord was cut off from like the snake, like being able to like, de- like develop because of I don't know, like the way it formed. I don't know. It's so strange. Hmm. To explain. I should have take pictures of it, but I didn't. But I felt so bad for it. I was like, no. Oh. <laughs> Because it was like alive and it's like all, you know, jacked up. Yeah. yeah. But oh. I don't know if that's incubator error, genetic, or I don't know. I'd probably just have to do a repair and see how that goes. But mm-hmm. well, what do you got planned for the rest of the year and into 2020, man? We're gonna wind it down. We're at an hour 20. Um, this fall the coffee I'll be on mail for that girl that laid 17 and 18 mm-hmm. um that'll probably be it cool luke and yeah me oh uh, yeah like i said <laughs> i'm just gonna <laughs> only luke in here <laughs> um yeah i'm just gonna try i think i'm gonna give a crazy train a shot with the old lady we'll see who knows I hope that um, works out for you yeah, I hope so too. It would be cool, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a little nervous too because uh, I think actually you mentioned too you had one of your males go from a rack to a cage to breed the female. Me? Or did you say that? Yeah, didn't you say one of your males was in a rack and that's the one who just sided your clutch? Yeah, when yeah, you put yeah, him in. Yeah, because yeah, he's kind of small. I don't know how he's going to feel about going in a cage for the first time with a big female, but yeah, we'll I think see. He, he did fine. They, he didn't care. As soon as they smell that female, I don't think they care. <laughs> they don't give a shit what's going on. Yeah. Huh? Well, see that that pairing I did last year. I took that male out of that cube and put him in that thirty-six, and like he would just ground. And I was like, oh man, but he's <laughs> oh, he cruising, cruising that cage. He's and broken. The female and put her in the twenty-four, and he just like was all over it. And they, you know, so oh, so when you put the female in the twenty-four, he was all over it though. Yeah, yeah, but he went and breed her in the in the big cage. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know if this female can fit in this tub. <laughs> That'll be a pretty. Yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend that. <laughs> That'd be a pretty tight one. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Straightening up the babies. Hopefully, it'll change soon. Soon. Yeah, man, I'm so anxious to see how they turn out. <laughs> I'm like starting to get annoyed. I'm like, come on, goddamn it! Every day, I expect to open the open the drawer and and see one completely changed and be like, what the hell? You know? Yeah, those yeah. let us change overnight, won't they? pretty much yeah I, I mean i have no clue uh i think they will the one of them i'm telling you it's tr- it's tr- it's dorsal stripe is like this weird purple color right now so i think the dorsal is gonna go blue oh yeah but, i'd say so yeah we'll see but uh yeah that's one thing i might just wait honestly to see if these babies have changed by uh what's it called by uh like december or something if they're looking pretty good then maybe i'll repeat that painting who mm-hmm. knows and what about you, Justin? Just waiting, uh, raising up those other yep, babies? Yeah, raising up babies. Um, definitely not going to be breeding anything this year. Uh, me and me and the old lady are uh, going to be house shopping soon. 
So there's a good chance Ooh. I'll end up having to sell a few, uh, dun, dun, sell a few dun. of the neonates to to fund some of that. I don't know yet. I'd prefer. Wait, not wait, to. wait, wait! You got four. You got forty snakes in total. You can't sell the chondros. Well, no, not the chondros. Just some of the the neonates. That I don't want to hold on to all of them, but <laughs> you know, there's a, there might be a few that can that can go to help get some extra money together. So right we'll on. see. I don't know. Other than that, nothing. I'm taking my sweet time, man. Right. And I like it like that. Mm-hmm. Slow and steady. Play the long yep. game. Slow and steady wins the race. Damn Skippy. All right, Justin, where can people find you? Um, I've got a Facebook page, Appalachian of Orioles, but I never get on it. Um. I do good enough to keep up with the one I have. <laughs> uh, mainly Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm on there. Appalachian underscore Arboreals. Um, I mean, you know, if anybody wants to talk to me, just shoot me a message. I'll talk to anybody about snakes. Cool. Luke? Right on, yeah. Just uh, Luke Snakewalker on Instagram. Same thing. Send me a message. We can talk snakes. That's about it. Cool. All right, y'all. Well, we're at hour 25. I think we'll call it. Appreciate y'all coming on. Luke, thanks again. You're one of um, my... Always a pleasure. You're, you and Thank David you are sort much. of my, my, my go-tos for, for the co-hosting <laughs> thing. It's nice to kind of change it up every once in a while. I kind of like that. So. The trifecta. <laughs> That's right. There we go. All right, well, take it easy, guys, yeah. and uh, have a nice night. It was awesome talking to both of you. I appreciate you coming hey, on. Man. Take it easy, man. See you. All right, that was episode 14 of the ConjureCast. Thanks again to Justin Wilbanks of Appalachian Arboreals for coming on the show. Been trying to get him on for a, for a while now. I'm glad he, we finally made it happen. And, of course, thanks to Luke for uh, help keeping the conversation going and uh, being an awesome co-host, as usual. Uh, also, special shout-out to David Brown's Specialty Enclosure Designs because he helps make this show possible. <clears throat> Uh, please check out his website, specialtyenclosuredesigns.com. Anything relating to arboreal snakes, he's got products for tree boas, chondros, uh, carpets, morelia in general. The list goes on and on. I use it for boiga. I use it for all kinds of stuff, perches, perch holders. He's got the Python portals, the Draco portals for the tub conversion kits, Cambro tubs, uh, sort of standard storage tubs that you'd find at the store. Please check them out, specialtyenclosuredesigns.com. Be sure to subscribe. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that good stuff. Follow me on Facebook, at Palmetto Coast Exotics. Follow the show at The Conjurecast, Instagram, Facebook. See you all later.